Welcome back to another episode of SASLife.fm podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Chris. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, Sam? I'm doing wonderful. Feels like spring is in the air. Uh, we're warming up a little bit on this end, and so much so that I've actually gone and shaved my beard. My my annual, what is kind of like a personal Groundhog's Day to me, where it's like when I feel spring's coming up, I get rid of the beard and hope for the best. But who knows? It could be a, a fool's spring, and we'll be back to negative temperatures in, in a week or so. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're looking sharp. I noticed the beard. Mine is actually getting a bit shaggy, so I might need to follow your lead. Things are warming up here a bit too. Yeah. How does that, how does that make you feel? I know you're big into the slopes and are things kind of melting? Is the season coming to a close for you? No, nothing like that. It's just a little, it's a little warmer in town, but the mountains stay cold. And in fact, we are getting ready to take off tomorrow morning for Jackson Hole. So we're going to go to some higher peaks and spend a week out there. I'm envious. That sounds amazing. Yeah. It's one of our favorite places and, and we didn't get out there Last year, didn't do much travel at all. So we're excited, although my oldest uh, has been homesick from school Monday oh, no. and Tuesday. So we've all been digging into our stockpile of at-home COVID tests, making sure that it's just a cold, <laughs> which it appears to be, but still uh, makes getting ready to go a little bit tougher. Man, that's that's the truth, though. It's just you never know what's coming home from from school, and it's just you just hope that it's not something that that's a little bit more serious. So I'm glad to hear that it's not. And hopefully everyone recovers soon and he can enjoy that vacation. Sounds good. Well, we're hoping to what's going on uh, in the world of text retailer. Oh, a lot of stuff. So I think probably my more formal update is we are, I'm on the final week of my first block of the year. So like I mentioned last time we talked, I'm kind of divvying up my, my full year into six week blocks six or eight week blocks, depending on how, how, what the projects are in there, but basically kind of just carving up the year into these, these mini goals of like, I want to, you know, check off so many different tasks or get so many different things built or accomplished in those blocks. And I'm, I'm coming to the end of the first one and I'm feeling pretty good about the progress overall. The, I like this, this concept. It keeps me really focused during each individual block. It's a lot easier to chew on, you know, because when you start thinking about Everything that has to get done with the company and with the application is just, there's just so much. This really helps me focus. And I would like to say that I completed everything that was on the list that was in my control. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty happy about that. There's, there were a few things that were kind of outside my control, waiting for external entities to kind of get some stuff for me. And that, that, that didn't hit those goals, but they'll just be pushed to the, the next block and I'll, I'll reassess. Okay. Do you have your goals planned out for the next block? I do. Yeah. I have a a pretty sizable list of some features, some research, some stuff on the marketing front. So yeah, it's, it's a pretty, it's a full block for sure. How, How far out are you planned for my curiosity? I mean, how many blocks do you have items or tasks slotted into? Let's see. So I have the next one. I have the one after that. So I have the next two and the ne- the third one is, is just literally says baby. So that one's, I guess, planned out. I remember that one. Yeah. <laughs> and newborn. And then honestly, after that, it gets a little kind of loosey goosey. There's, there's some ideas, there's some concepts. So I would say two or three. I mean, things are just going to change as you naturally progress. There's going to be 
hopefully new customers with some new needs or some new feature requests and those who get worked in. And that's kind of the thing that I like most about this concept is you can continually pivot throughout the year. It's not like I'm set on these concepts for the entire year, just kind of more of a different way to kind of break them up and think about how I'm going to get these things done. Did you find a lot of things came onto your plate that were not scheduled for this six-week block, or were you pretty good about trying to kick those down the road? There was a handful, you know, so the last two weeks of this block especially kind of fell apart for a variety of reasons. One was those customer feature requests came in, and that's something that if it's, A, they were really good things that were pointed out, and they really weren't a huge, it's not like they were asking for like a two-week feature thing. It was more of like a half a day. And so those I would just kind of work in. And I was doing a lot of experimentation with some potential integrations for the future. And one that I thought would be a little bit more straightforward wasn't the case as I kind of dove into it. And so I'm kind of rethinking my overall approach to that particular integration. So it's kind of stuff like that that happened in the last two weeks where there wasn't a lot of progress, but there was. So in the sense that it was a lot more strategy kind of things came out, came about. And yeah, I think, I think it was a good block overall. I'm curious. I, I geek out on this stuff. So are you recording things that you're doing even that were not originally scheduled for the block so that you can kind of look back and do a postmortem on the six weeks? Or are you just going, going, going? I mean, it's, it's a living document for sure. So it's just, I actually have something just, it's just a text doc that I have worked out, but I try to, if I, if I complete a task, I mark it as done within the the document. If, if something was on the list, but I moved it, I would do a strike through. So I kind of kept a record that it, that it was originally on that block and it was rearranged or maybe it just went away. Like it's no longer applicable type of type of thing. So I try to keep that, but it's definitely a living document and there's no formal I mean, I haven't ended the, <laughs> the block. So, you know, maybe maybe next week that'll be part of the thing of kind of like a, a refresh of like what worked well, what didn't. So I, I can I expect to tweak this process for myself as as time goes on. It'll be really interesting to see, you know, if I get to that point of bringing in more steady contractors, how to incorporate them into this process and what that looks like as well. So I, I would definitely see that this changes as as the team expands. Yeah. Do you use any kind of issue tracker like GitHub issues or I, I've been using Linear and love it? Nothing that formal. I have a to-do list app that I'm using that's that's okay, but I probably need to get something more formal. Again, it's it's a lot easier when it's just yourself, you know, because I can keep a lot of this stuff in my head and because I'm working on the on the project every single day. And so it's really easy to kind of keep track of those things internally and you're not sharing it with people. You don't have to collaborate. So it makes things easier. I, I would imagine, again, looking for another tool down the line. So I'll definitely check out Linear. That's a great suggestion. Yeah, it's it's fun. They they take a lot of care in the application they're building, and it shows. So the other thing that's kind of big news is I actually applied to TinySeed this past week. All right. Well, tell us what TinySeed is for people who don't know. So TinySeed is a accelerator program designed for bootstrapped founders. It's uh, something that was founded by Rob Walling, who is someone that I followed for, I mean, it's been years and years and years. I listened to his podcast, started for the rest of us. I read his book that came out long time ago that just kind of talks about, I mean, he started in a, in a time when it was either venture or nothing. You know, there was the only way that you could start any kind of software businesses you had to get funding and more than likely you had to get funding in San Francisco. And he kind of shed light on there's another way to do it, which is this bootstrapping concept. And 
And so I just, it, that concept really appealed to me. I liked his writing. I liked his philosophy. And so I've been a longtime follower of Rob and he puts on a microconf every year, which is really fantastic of a way to get these these like-minded founders to come together and just kind of talk. Well, we shop. should say, I mean, that's kind of how we met too. Was it is through a yes. mastermind group that was facilitated. I don't know. Was, was it tiny microconf? I'm not sure exactly. Yeah, the umbrella was, that, <laughs> something uh, like that. <laughs> but yeah, they, they put out a call to bootstrap founders. Hey, we will pair you with other like-minded founders just to, to create a mastermind. And you're absolutely right. That's exactly how we met each other was through random luck of the draw, I guess, <laughs> which right. is nice. But yeah, so anyway, what Tiny Seed is, is it's it's geared towards those bootstrap founders, and it, it's a way to raise a little bit of money. They would argue not too much, and it's really founder-friendly terms. So the standard term, the one that I what I would be most likely getting would be something along the lines of they give you $120,000 for 12%. So basically, it's a, they're evaluating your company at a million dollars. But with that, it's not a pure equity play. They also have this educational component, the accelerated component, where they have this group of mentors that kind of take you through the what they call their playbook, which kind of talks about how to properly price your 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 program or your 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 company. Sorry, how to, how to do your pricing <laughs> for your for your application? <laughs> so you can obviously use some help there. Yeah, I need like. a lot of help. <laughs> you know, SEO tips, just general things that will the low hanging fruit on how to better optimize your business if you are a one or two person founding company, and really how to put those dollars to work really well. In addition to that, not only did they give you the the upfront the funding. The premise was the, I think the original thesis was there's a lot of people that are locked into full-time jobs that have great ideas for startups, but they can't take the risk of leaving that full-time job to go all in, um, whether it's family or personal reasons. And so what they'll do is they'll basically give you a year of runway to quit your job, work on the project full-time and be that bridge from full-time employment a full-time founder. I think that was their thesis when they started. It's kind of evolved to more of people like myself are, are interested in this, where I'm already funding my, my application through something else that I've built, but I really like the idea of the mentorship that they've, they've brought into play. The other nice appealing aspect of it is they have this concept of founder salaries that you can pay yourself. So I can actually give myself a salary of up to $250,000. You can treat it as a dividend. You can treat it as a, an actual salary, depending on what, what tax advantages you are. But basically, I don't have to pay anything to tiny seed, even though in a traditional equity concept, that would be considered a dividend and they'd be entitled to that. So it kind of gives me freedom to build a business that just shoots off cap to a significant amount without me having to pay that money back to to my equity partners. Now, if, if the business grows beyond that, if it sells, if I raise future money, they would obviously have the the benefit of that equity stake and be able to participate in that that future funding. Interesting. Yeah, I, I think it's really cool how these programs are coming up and you know I, we could get more into just the whole topic of funding and financing. I've got a I've got a lot of thoughts, but I will say that I'm fascinated by the rise of Tiny Seed, and there's a couple other ones out there that really support the bootstrapped founder and people who are building businesses, kind of like we're talking about and that, that we've done in the past as well. So making room for something other than venture scale, but also de-risking things in multiple right. ways. 
Yeah. And, and, and again, I like the aspect of having that network of individuals. If I have a question about copywriting or if I have a question about SEO or pricing, um, which again, I need help with, <laughs> but if I have those questions, I can reach out to that network and tiny seed will be there to connect me with that, that mentorship network. And you can make an argument that other funds will do very similar things, but it just feels like that that's one of the core concepts that tiny seed has gone after is like, we are going to give education as well as money and freedom to kind of pursue your goal. And ultimately what they say is one of the things that I love about their tagline is if you raise venture funds, a $10 million company might not be considered a success, you know, because they're shooting for the fences and going really big. Whereas for tiny seed, that's a outstanding success and a really, really good outcome for both them and me as a founder. Right. Exactly. That, that alignment is spot on with, I think what you're trying to do, whereas otherwise, you know, strap in because it's unicorn or bust. (laughs) <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which, you know, some mornings you wake up and you're like, eh, is that the right path or not? And, you know, but no, I think, I think I, I'm interested to see what they say. Now, now I have some concerns just from the timing aspect of this because their program starts May 1. And as we've talked about, there's going to be a very big life change that I'm going through in mid-May. And so one of my concerns is, is this the right timing for me personally to go into a program like this if I'm not hundred percent there. If I, you know, have family obligations at that time, does it make more sense to kind of wait and see? Again, that assumes that I'm even accepted. So we'll see. And so ultimately at this point right now, what I'm really hoping for is just to be able to talk to the Tiny Seat team, maybe get some feedback from them. If I'm not accepted on areas that I can improve, uh, metrics to, to hit for the next round and try again in the fall because they have two batches every year. Do you feel like the process itself is helping you maybe on strategy or just kind of taking a step back and thinking through what you want to build? Or did you know all that already? You know, I, I don't think it's necessarily their process per se, but it's just the act of thinking about raising money. You know, is that the right direction of the company? Is now the right time? Do I... Do I, do I have a way to kind of deploy those funds in a meaningful way, or do I need to do more experimentation, more research? Just thinking about that kind of things in general, just by the nature of, you know, you're, you're seeking funding and is that the right move? So I think it's definitely accelerated my thinking in this because of their deadline and where it is stands right now, because it, it, it was definitely an in-between thing where right now it might be a little bit too early for me, but the fall f- feels so far away. I mean, six months from now feels so far away. And so getting that thought out right now was a really good exercise. Awesome. Can't wait to hear more about where that goes. What are the next steps, Sam? When, when do you find out? You know, I, I think there's going to be a handful of conversations with the team. I'm sure there's multiple rounds of vetting. I don't know exactly when they provide offers, but I mean, if they're starting their program May 1, you have to think that all of the legal stuff has to be taken care of before then. So I would, I would imagine this moves relatively quick, you know, a matter of weeks. So it'll be, be interesting to see where it goes. Fantastic. Well, in my world, I'm marching ahead with customer onboarding. You know, you're doing your six-week cycles, as we talked about last time. I threw formal planning out the window and said, hey, for Q1, I need to get through this backlog of customers who have signed contracts and are ready to jump on the application. So that's been my focus. And, and so far, it's going well. We are getting through the backlog. It's interesting because you know we have kind of these cohorts of customers who need 
different things or who will spend more time in a different portion of the application. And I'm trying to balance onboarding customers with like needs at the same time so that we can provide fast feedback and and react to their needs quickly, along with just, frankly, business goals and people who are, you know, the squeaky, and rightly so, the squeaky wheel saying, hey, we love what you're doing. When do we get to use it? So there's been a little bit of give and take there. So far, so good. It really ramps up in March. So I don't have a ton to report yet in terms of learnings. You know, all of our customers are are using it. We the application hasn't broken yet. You know, not no duct tape or bubble gum required thus far. <laughs> That's good. But I think it gets much more interesting in March. So we'll we'll revisit that here next month. Yeah, I was curious when you said you you kind of onboarded this backlog. It doesn't sound like you're taking them one at a time, but you're doing these these small batches. And how many are you juggling at any given given time? Are you talking about two or three new customers yes. at a time? Yeah, 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 two or three. So this last week we just did uh, two, and this week I'm actually, as I mentioned, going on vacation, so we're not doing any. The next week we'll get into this. We've got a trade show, so I'm hoping not to do any, but it doesn't look like that's going to be possible. And then in March, we've got just back to back. So I've got rescheduled for first week of March. And yeah, now I'm curious, you mentioned the trade show. What are your goals for a trade show like that? I mean, are you, are you trying to just kind of get awareness of this new product out? Or are you literally trying to sign customers at the show? You know, my industry is really niche, right? So there's a lot of people that know each other. And as I've been in the industry longer, I've built a lot of relationships so I'm coming off of a more of a conference than a trade show, actually, called UCT. It's the Underground Construction Technology Conference. And really, my goals for that conference were just to see some faces that I haven't seen in years. And I had a couple strategic goals with kind of more biz dev side, some partnership stuff that I wanted to talk through, some strategy stuff. It's actually something that was really fun at this particular conference was seeing some of my former employees from the Helix days right. who have stayed yeah. in the industry and are kicking ass at other companies. So we had an awesome dinner where, yeah, we caught up. I stayed out later than I've stayed out in <laughs> many years, just just shooting the shit. And, and it's so cool. I mean... You know, to see those guys just take off and that's awesome. And yeah, so that that was a ton of fun. So really, UCT more technical conference. I learned some things. I saw some new technologies that are coming. Focused kind of on all things underground and technical infrastructure management. It was more of like here's the here's the trend of the industry. Not necessarily stuff that you might build directly into the application, but it's good to know the direction of the industry when you are interfacing and talking to customers. You can just kind of see the direction that things are going. That's exactly it. I spent a good deal of time talking to uh, people in kind of adjacent worlds. So in particular on the rehabilitation side, a couple of close contacts in the lining world, which is where they basically build a pipe within a pipe. So as opposed to digging up a pipe, much easier to put a soft liner through it and then through various technologies, they harden it. We've always looked at that world and and a lot of our customers play in that space. So keeping abreast of the latest technology and figuring out, you know, direction. Well, I'll, I'll give you a specific example. I talked to a company who is producing this brand new product that basically is kind of a, a tape, you know, so picture, picture tape, basically, you know, a couple inches. Thick runs the length of the pipe, and every 10 inches or so, there's a thermocouple. 
And one of the ways technically they build the pipe within a pipe, they do this lining, is they put the soft liner in and then it cures via UV light. And it has to cure at really specific temperatures. So in order to understand if the lining job was a success, you really want to look at the temperature of the pipe at every point, you know, so that's kind of the, the every 10 inches or so and make sure that there's no problem areas that could result in a failure later. So that ends up becoming an acceptance criteria. And the old way of doing it was the robots themselves would measure and it was kind of self-reported. Now what this other company is doing is saying, hey, we're a third party. We can come in, we can put this tape here. And oh, by the way, you know, in my world, I'm thinking, well, heck, we could capture that data and we could incorporate that in a really nice deliverable that includes both your inspection data, your rehabilitation data, and finally, uh, we'd call a post-inspection, you know, which is kind of, and here's the end result. So will it go anywhere? I, I don't know, but it was interesting technology, interesting conversations, and those were the type of things that were happening at the UCT show. Yeah, I think that's super important to just keep keep up to date in not necessarily, you, I guess it's your customer's industry and know what is being sold to them and what is appealing to them because it can lead to opportunities. Like you said, you you might not have a partnership with this other company or there might not need, be a path for an integration. It might not make sense, but at least you know about it. And it's kind of something that's percolating in the back of your mind that you can say, you know, that's a neat idea. Let's devote a little bit more resource or a little bit more time to, into exploring that and see if that's a possibility. Yeah. And a little bit of just kind of signal and noise too. I mean, there were a couple other signals that came saying that this UV method of curing liner seems to be heating up, no pun intended. So, you know. (laughs) Oh, uh, you you guys and your puns. (laughs) Let's just stay away from the manhole jokes. Uh, Yeah. Anyway, moving on. So that was UCT. The next trade show that's coming up, which is much more of a trade show and less of a conference, happens here in February in Indianapolis. That is called the Wet Show. Of course uh, it formerly, is. <laughs> formerly known as the Pumper Cleaner Expo. Oh, so wow. actually, you could probably say they've improved the name. <laughs> you guys are having way too much fun over there. <laughs> <sighs> Something like that. Anyway, that one's going to be more selling. Not direct sales, really. At this point, you know, I... I don't think that we're going to, you know, someone's going to come up to a display and, and sign a contract for, you know, 20 grand, but it is kind of, it it is a place where a lot of people in the industry gather and they're really more hands-on demoing products and and looking to what's new on the product side. So we'll actually have a booth there. We're going to set up a big display and I anticipate it being nonstop demo, which will be, which will be really exciting. So that'll be fun but it's also there's a lot that goes into it is it just yourself or do you do you have who's all going who mans the booth no no we'll have yeah i'll be there i'll have some other folks from a partner company there and so together we'll man the booth yeah i think that's going to be really interesting because like you said it's not necessarily i think the goal would be you're you're trying to just be like get in the top three, you know, of the running of the different software they might be evaluating if they're looking for a change or if they're just kind of seeing what's out there, getting to that point where you're top of mind. And then I'm guessing there's some sort of, you have a strategy for the follow-up months, you know, how to potentially close that sale down the line after the show. But it just kind of 
gets them a sense of like, oh, this software could really work for us. Or, you know, hopefully in the case of your competitors, eh, it doesn't fit for our needs because of X, Y, and Z. And it helps them narrow down the list. Right. Yeah. And a lot of our big customers will be there too. So they'll want to check in with us, see what's what's coming that's new. And it's building the funnel. It's another it's another avenue to build the funnel. So hopefully, you know, there'll be some potential for expansion revenue with existing customers who come, they, you know, see some new things that we're working on and get excited about it. And hopefully there'll be some folks that come over from competitors and say, Oh wow, you know, I didn't know you were playing in this space now. Let's, you know, in this case I think let's schedule a demo offline where we can we can dig in a bit deeper. So yeah, it's it's I would imagine it's just a fire hose of incoming information from current and potential customers, which is just awesome to get that all in a span of a few days of just high input of like, here's what we're looking for. This is cool. This fits our needs. Even little things like, oh, we would do this as long as it does X, Y, and Z. You know, does it do this? And those kind of questions can go a really long way to get a get a sense of what's truly important to those those potential customers. Yeah, we'll come out of there with hopefully uh, a fairly full funnel and a bunch of ideas and, and directions. So it'll be exciting, but it is also, I mean, it's really at the end of the day, a marketing function. And to that end, you know, it means that we've got to beef up a little bit of our marketing. And I do have some news on that front. I was able to acquire the domain name pipetech.com. So that's been something that, you know, we've been working on for a while, acquired it, and then, you know, sat on it for a bit. Well, the time has come to put it out there and, and deploy it, although this came relatively quickly. So we have <laughs> a couple weeks and I'm trying to figure out, I'm trying to figure out what I actually want to do. I mean, I definitely, I kind of plan on a bigger launch around pipe tech domain and, and some identity refresh and some other things there, but there's there's just not time to do it justice. At the same time, this is our biggest show of the year. You know, there's going to be a bunch of customers, so I'm hoping to do something. Yeah, these deadlines always get in the way, huh? If you could just move <laughs> the trade show to when you want it to actually occur when you're quote unquote ready, it would just be so much more easier. But that's such an interesting situation you're in because I find myself in somewhat similar where my marketing site is well out of date for what text retailer does now, you know, and so we still kind of cover that main concept of reply to buy, but there's a lot more things that I've built in the last six months and it just hasn't caught up. I'm in the process of revamping it, but it almost, part of me almost feels like I'm not able to turn on my marketing engine yet because the marketing site's not ready. But I also don't want to be that guy that just continually throws out excuses like, oh, it's not ready. It's not ready. It's not ready. And you need to just go out there and do it. So I, I'm interested to see what, how you're going to, what you're thinking about that. Because obviously you have a different type of events where it's, you show up and you're, you're going to be talking to customers. And I don't know if a website is terribly needed, but maybe that's part of the big follow-up process after the fact. Well, here, I can tell you how I'm approaching it. Ultimately, like I said, I, I envision a bigger launch around the pipe tech name and some of the things we're, we're doing there. In the short term, though, I know that's not possible. So I'm kind of considering this a soft launch. And in doing that, it's like, okay, what are the essentials and what are the nice-to-haves? Kind of essential is, great, email addresses can change. You know, right now, my holding company is called Industrial Technology Group, which is a mouthful. It was literally, you know, I started as a holding company and then my email address is 
Chris at industrialtechgroup.com. Yeah, that doesn't really t- say anything about what you do <laughs> at <laughs> it all. It doesn't say anything about what we do, and it's really long. So I'm going to switch the whole team over to pipetech.com, domain name and email addresses. So that's, you know, that's something. Okay, well, that means you need to print new business cards. Our product mix and some of the identity stuff has started to evolve. I would like to have at least a, again, kind of a soft launch identity for the software that makes up the pipe tech suite. Now, can that happen in time? That one's a maybe. Certainly the domain name and other things can. So my plan basically is, okay, I'm going to you know spin up the domain. I'm going to get the email addresses switched over, get the business cards set. Because you're, you know, it's a trade show. You're handing out business cards. Feel good about that. The identity work, it's in process. And I'm hoping that we have something that is decent and, you know, useful enough that we can refresh the actual like display booth. So if we can get that done by the end of this week and we're happy, there's part of the booth that has the logos for the various products in the suite. I'll revamp that. If we can't, you know, or if I'm not happy with it, no problem. I'm going to skip it. That's something that really can't be rushed. And finally, I am planning on you know taking those two things together, the identity work, the, the name, and putting up basically a, a one-page lander page on the pipetech.com domain. And, and just, you know, it, it's not going to be the full marketing site by any stretch of the imagination, but it'll be something. So that's kind of the way I'm approaching it. Is one of the goals there lead capture? I mean, or do you kind of capture these individuals that stop by the booth in some other way? I could see this as a really nice mechanism for, we got new things coming down the pipe. Yeah, I can do it too. We got new things coming, you know, give us your email address and we'll, we'll keep you informed. Or is it not as digitally native in that, in, in email based? Yeah, it's a little of both. We will have lead capture on the new site for sure. And, and we will explicitly say, you know, keep an eye out, basically, big things are coming. So there's going to be a bit of a teaser, but it's not going to be a focus. You know, actually, at these shows, most of the time, it really is the let's trade business cards. And then you jot down a little note on the back of whomever you talk to and say, okay, how do I want to follow up with this person? It's not a giant digital launch. And so I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to miss out a lot by not having the site totally ready. That said, if it were to be ready and kind of where I want to look really far ahead to a bigger launch is sponsoring some of these conferences and some of the advertising and things that can go around trade shows to build brand awareness. So looking forward toward that, but I'm promised myself I'm not going to go deep into marketing until Q2. Yeah. I could see trade shows just being huge for your concept. And and frankly, even with text retailer down the line, that's something that I would love to get more involved with. So I might pick your brain later on and how you do your booths and kind of the things that you've learned, because that's, that's been something that I think can be pretty appealing, especially just because that's, I mean, I've always gone to conferences to learn about the new stuff. And so if you are a new company with a new spin or a new take on an industry or how to do a particular thing within an industry, Potential customers are, are receptive to that, I would think. And being able to just say, hey, I'm here, we're doing this thing, it's a little bit different, especially if you have a really great demo that captures the interest. Like you said, they're probably not going to sign up that day. You know, that's not the goal. It's just more of to let people know that something is new or a new take is out there and how to follow up later and, and give you a nice little batch of leads that you can kind of follow up in the following months. Exactly. It's exposure and it's building the funnel. And it's something that I hope to go 
even more deep down the rabbit hole with there's because there's a handful of different conferences out there that I don't go to but would like to start. So it'll be fun and I'll report back on how it went post February. Well, that's uh that's really exciting. It sounds like you got a lot of travel coming up and uh, a lot of things things in the <laughs> in the works. That's fantastic. Yeah, now we just got to get it all done. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? <laughs> Isn't that the Always. truth? What are you into this week, Sam? Oh, uh, let's see. So I mentioned it's springtime. So of course, I'm going to talk about something that that we did this past winter. We were looking for activities on how to keep our our three year old entertained while not really being able to venture out into indoor activities and had to be outside. So my wife came across something that's called a simple rink, which is essentially an ice rink in a bag. <laughs> so what you buy is this huge 10 foot by 20 foot, essentially plastic bag with a small hole in it for your hose. And you fill this thing up, you let it freeze for three or four days. And next thing you know, you have a ready to go. And yeah, you just cut the top off of the plastic of the top. Now you have an ice rink in your backyard. Oh, that's up. genius. Okay. So you fill this bag, a 10 foot by 20 foot bag. Maybe I picture it being a couple inches thick or. Yeah, you can like, depending on that's one of the lessons I learned is you really want some uh, piece of ground that's pretty flat. <laughs> so <laughs> ours had a little bit of a slope to it, but in the, in the thick part, it was five, six inches deep. So yeah, you, you get it at least three inches of solid ice that's in this 10 by 20 sheet that you don't have to build up. You know, you don't have to build boards or or anything like that. You don't have to be out there spraying constantly to do any layers because it just freezes solid. And then it has a really nice base where like, yeah, you just cut off the top of the plastic and then you just have this exposed ice ready to go. So don't get too close to the edge or you fall off or yeah yeah basically yeah <laughs> so but you know you, you step three-year-old consequences yeah, at an early you, age, know, you, you build it up with some snow and i mean we, we were out there and she she has a pair of skates but she preferred just to be out there with her boots and it's just a slippery thing and so we'd go out there for 20 minutes or so and i it was funny because i found myself mildly obsessed with keeping the ice surface <laughs> well-maintained, you know, I'd wake up in the middle of the night and like, oh, I didn't do a treatment and I got to do that first thing in the morning. And so it was just, <laughs> I have plans so, for so next, next year. week. Sam's going to be into a Zamboni. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> yeah, it's like use Zamboni. What, what can I, and now it's like, it's just a mess out there. It's starting to melt and it's just, it's just going to be slush city. But, but next year I know exactly where it's going to go. I got my plans, might get two of them and link them together. We'll see. So it's, uh, it's pretty exciting. Oh, fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. sounds really cool. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. Well, mine is not nearly as exciting, but it's still kind of nice. So for Christmas, as a little stocking stuffer. I got some locally made fancy soap for my wife. Oh, nice. And I've been using it every (laughs) single day. (laughs) Wait, so so it's a gift for your wife, but you've been using it. I like it. It was, but she, she took a shower and it smelled so good in there. That I thought I'd give it a try. And I, I don't know the brand, but it probably doesn't matter. It's just, you know. Just some local fancy soap. toady soap. <laughs> it's got like some kind of little, I don't know, seeds or something in it. Oh, nice. Of, uh, yeah. Exfoliates. Yeah. I might be on the fancy soap train now. All right. So you're just starting your day off a new man <laughs> with a new routine. That's great. I am. Yep. So if you ever thought about maybe doing a little splurge, I can tell you it's worth it. So the real question is, are you going to take this with you on all your trips? You know, you're <laughs> to pack it up and take it with you. Or do you, do you, do you brave the, the soap that they give to you on the, at your hotel? You know what? I'll tell you, I, I actually do bring 
Do you? Even All right. Before this, I would yeah. bring like a little thing of body wash because I some of the hotel soap isn't isn't going to do it for me. <laughs> yeah, you just you kind of, sometimes you get out of there. You just like you have this like film on your body that like just doesn't leave, and you're just like, oh, it doesn't. I don't feel clean at all. <laughs> oh, or the opposite, where it's like you're super dry and itchy oh, yeah. afterward. Yeah, it's yeah. like yeah, almost lie instead of. <laughs> <laughs> opposite of your fancy soap but that makes you feel good yeah all right well i think we covered everything thank you to uh, everyone that took the time to listen to us today and our our ramblings so we hope to give you some more insights into what we're building and what we're doing uh, in the future so until then chris we will talk to you soon yeah show notes at saslife.fm as always see you sam see you later